What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 350. Uh, my name's Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by Brian and John. <clears throat> 350, guys. 350. The um the fabled <laughs> last episode of Movie Schmovie. Now, now, you know, and it's some there's some difference uh, among scholars on this, like back in 175. Um, and I can drop the clip in right now, and Ronald, I'll, I'll give it to you so you can drop it into the video as well. It's it's pretty amazing that we're a hundred something episodes in, still doing 175 it. to be 175. Exact. I plan on doing 175 more with you guys, and you gotta, I love doing. You guys want to do those next week and just bank them? <laughs> yes, yeah, just bank twenty. Just <laughs> one word podcast. <laughs> We were remarking on the fact that we'd done 175 episodes, and and Ronald said that he wanted to do 175 more, and I I didn't disagree with him, um, which I think makes it like there was no disagreement in the moment that we and then we published the episode, and so I think that's what makes it a podcast promise. So so it's been a little unclear to scholars of podcast promises. Does is the prophecy then that we can only do 175 more? Or is the prophecy that we are then f freed from doing podcasts, like we've promised we'll do 175 more, but but like we the can commitment stop if we is, wanted is, to. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you've you've done the uh, at least kind of yeah, thing. Like yeah. we, we, we've committed to it and uh, so we've delivered so, the promise basically. Right, but that that now that it's almost <laughs> like we've got to disband because of what the the promise. Said anyway, so I'm expecting. Actually, I was hoping I would get a a, a message back from these uh, podcast wizards that I contacted about this. Yeah. Um, I called them scholars before, but we all know I meant wizards. Um, right, obviously, based on our subject matter today, you know, I had to do something kind of <laughs> on topic. But I'm supposed to hear back from them soon, so I, I, I hope I hear back from them while we're recording, so we can find out what the what the verdict is. Yeah. But as, as, as far as we know, <laughs> this is the last episode, like that we might actually be committing <clears throat> some kind of podcast crime if we keep going after this podcast promise, or or right. are we just are we just free men? And as long as we never say like, oh, now we're going to do 350 more, you know, something like that, that commits us to another thing that we are now like truly free just to podcast until we we want to stop so right it'll be like a spell is broken and i wonder like maybe like is the prophecy is the prophecy that it's a majority commitment decision because did i actually commit to the 175 i mean okay. or is it unanimous uh, what, what, what happens is you say um <laughs> like i say oh so <clears throat> So I, I indicate that maybe we should just bank all of those 175 podcasts as soon as we can, so that we're oh. we're we're done with them. We're done. Yeah, just get it and done. And then you say with. something, and I can't actually tell what you say, Steve. You either say just one more podcast or more and more podcasts. It's a little hard to tell what you say, but we all kind of chuckle and move on. Mm. And so you know, I don't know. I mean, I've sent the clip to the to the podcast wizard, so they they'll be examining it. I'm sure for that notion. But I did have that thought of like you seem to sign on. You know, mm. you also don't. It's not. It's mm. implicit. It's not. It's not. Uh, you know, you didn't like voice a vote. You just you kind of joined in with the patter, and then we moved on. So it's possible that that means that's not even a quorum. Right, we could, that could be our out. Maybe more and more, meaning more and more oh, wow. than one seven. I don't know what the did I just use say. the word quorum right? Because I, I you know did. You don't. Okay, you did. 
Um, but yeah, I guess hopefully you find out while we're recording. Hopefully I'll get a message. Yeah. And we kind of know where to go from here, but I guess in the meantime, we should probably just proceed as, <laughs> as planned as yeah. kind of like, it's just another episode of the show, yeah. but we all know in our hearts, this could be it. We're going to put it all on the line right now. Yeah. yeah. It's going to give it all. I specifically um, asked in my message to them, will we be dooming the entire universe if we keep podcasting? And also a flip responsible of that, thing to ask. Yeah. Will we be dooming the entire universe if we, if we continue podcasting, I wanted to find out either one. So, you know, got me. Yeah. Got me. Hopefully we'll know soon. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. <laughs> we, we, we'll know soon, hopefully. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, we've got yeah. a, we've got a podcast planned for this episode, whether it's the last or not. Yeah. But let's just put it out all out there and make it worth it. Um, so we've got this week's required viewing, which was John's pick, uh, the last episode, you know, the the last unicorn we're going to go over in a bit. And then we've kind of all caught up on the new uh, kind of the new Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon, which is on HBO and HBO Max. They've had three episodes out to this point. And then as we're recording this, The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, which is on Amazon Prime. Um, they've got two episodes out um, at the time, again, that we're recording this. By the time this comes out, there'll probably be another one up. Yeah. But at this point, we're going to kind of go through those two shows and kind of give our initial reactions, kind of get a little bit uh, deeper into those two. Maybe talk the uh, interesting timing of both coming out roughly around the same time, uh, how they've both been faring on their respective platforms, records being broken, uh, maybe a return to appointment viewing uh, in terms of maybe one of them. But um, that'll be the you know the main part of the episode which we'll get to in a minute but um i don't know john you want to take us into the last unicorn and let's uh start this episode with our required viewing this week you know it was honestly one of the first movies that came to me when i thought oh it might be fun to every week just pick a movie that we haven't seen in a while um yeah. and or that we remember well or that we've always wanted to see and then and then make it so that everybody else on the show has sure. to see it and also announce it a week in advance so that listeners can catch up with us too and mm. just so that because sometimes we go through weeks where we haven't all seen it there's not not there's not one thing that we've all seen um right. and a lot of times i think too listeners it's like well maybe they know we're talking about some new movie but they might not have time to get out and see it so i thought oh for people that don't like spoilers maybe it would be fun to do this and and last unicorn was a movie that was kind of on that short list for me of i remember really getting into it when i was a kid and <clears throat> i had not looked back at it and i knew that now it had come out in like a lovely cleaned up high-res version and i knew that there were a lot of people that had grown up with the movie maybe even younger than me and i'd heard people talking about it it was one of those movies that just had a good reputation i feel like in the way that people uh talk about it i think primarily because it's an animated movie with a certain level of craft to it that is not disney and is not right. it's not one of the 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 usual flavors you know of animation it is however very recognizable style if you watched the the television specials that they made from the jrr tolkien stuff to also tie into our theme there was a right. hobbit movie from 1977 that got played on television all the time it's, i think it's an hour-long version of the hobbit um it might still be the best adaptation of the hobbit um it doesn't need to be eight hours longer. Uh, and then um, then there was uh, an, some follow-up stuff, but they also, the same studio, Rankin-Bass, did all the, the stop-motion, um, you know, Christmas specials that you remember from your childhood. And you'll start to pick up voice actors and sound effects and little, and little styles of things that they did across these projects. Um, but The Last Unicorn was a real stab at uh, uh, making, like, a big movie for them. So, I, right. you know, I, I think it... Um, 
I think it has some of the, like some really lovely, I probably already used that word, but I think it really had some nice drawings in it and some nice designs and some interesting, you know, uh, techniques that feel like it bridges over with uh, Japanese animation. Um, and if you look, at, in fact, at who was working on it, I believe some some uh, Japanese animators worked on this. So it does have a little bit of that anime kind of uh, style creeping into it, as well as this, uh, you know, highly stylized but very much like fairy tale storytelling and character design um so yeah i was i was charmed by it again i mean i i enjoyed it for a lot of the things i think that that made it seem special when i was a kid but i can also see how it's one of those movies that um i don't know if it's made for the attention spans of of today's kids but i think if you got in young enough with somebody they would they would they could get into something like this. But I think that it does have these long stretches of these kind of sleepy but pretty folk songs that 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 make it feel dragged out even at its length of of uh of ninety minutes or under. I mean it's a it's another short movie, but yeah. um, but I mean I and I thought the music was nice. I just found myself thinking like, okay, yes, this is this is quite quite interesting and, and beautiful, uh, but also very dreamlike and 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 I yeah, I I just I wonder if a new audience seeing it for the first time now would find it you know would find it slow and dreamy instead of propulsive even though i think right up to the end it's got some really cool um character moments and and scenarios in terms of what the drawings are and what what's happening in the story what do you guys think of the last unicorn ron had you seen it before you, you hadn't right? no no yeah, what do you think what do you think i i was not a fan i was not a fan i'm gonna be honest with you it <coughs> it was nuts i it was beautiful well, though. So and that, that's the point that John's saying, which is why yeah, I asked so, you, like somebody coming to it later, like you just did. Like, um, go, go for I that. remember Dragon's Lair on 3DO, which kind of had that an that animation stuff. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful game, and that's the first thing that kind of jumped out at me. Like John was saying, um, kind of that that like Don Bluth, who used to be at um, Disney. Um, you know, Dragon's Lair kind of has that look to it. I like the look of it. I just it was hard for me to follow at parts like I, I did the motivations of all the characters. You know, one thing I will say, though, um, the voice acting was incredible. I really enjoyed the voice acting. I, did, yeah. I don't know how I felt about this. None of the songs were particularly catchy to me, but but the musicality of it was <laughs> insanely good. Like, it, it's like I can recognize that the music of the game was good, but the songs I was like, What's the song? What's the song? I, I mean, it's this. like imagine imagine being like at a point where you're like, this is for kids in a way. I mean, I, I do think it's yeah. meant for people of all ages. Yeah. But if you were yeah. making a movie right now for kids, you would not have like slow, dreamy folk pop in it. Yeah. You know, in the yeah. I think it's the band America that does. Um, it is. Yeah. Uh, I went through the desert on a horse with my own name. You know that. So it's like they're they're an established band with, and I think the guy's vocal style is nice. I think there's maybe one or two songs that actually start to stick in your mind while the movie's going on, but it doesn't fully coalesce. And I also think then you get the the two songs that are sung in character voice. Um, there's one by Jeff Bridges that is is. <laughs> It's not easy to get through, and then there's one that's Mia Farrow that is is tr actually hard to get through. Like yeah. it, there's, yeah. it's like I get that they wanted the the characters to sing their own songs. I think they could have modulated or moved it to a key that's more appropriate mm. for for their voices. But I thought that was again a kind of thing that felt like well, there's something kind of charming about the fact that this is sort of before the age of 
an animated movie having all this slick production and vertical marketing or vertical integration with all these different things and a pop singer. You know what I mean? Now you would have Ariana Grande or somebody like that doing a vocal and it would not impress you that it was done well, I don't think. It would seem kind of overly slick. So there is something kind of old-fashioned and charming to me about hearing Mia Farrow kind of warble out a song and hearing Jeff Bridges who, you know, later would sing in a couple of movies and you know, has a decent voice for that sort of thing. He's not like a musical golden throat kind of guy. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is that it's still cool hearing that it's Jeff Bridges and it's still cool hearing, oh, uh, you know, Angela Lansbury or, uh, yeah, or sure. Christopher Lee. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the animated uh, Hobbit movie, but the guy who plays the sort of assistant to uh, Mama Fortuna, like the little hunchback guy. Yeah. Um, that voice is done by Brother Theodore, who did the the voice of Gollum, the famous, oh, cool. like, you know, the voice that defined Gollum probably for most people of a certain generation for a long time in the in the cartoon, oh, wow. which was the particular kind of... I feel like Andy Serkis was, was reacting to that a bit with his performance as Gollum. Like, he knew about the Rankin-Bass Gollum. Um, so, I don't know. It, it had lots of little fun things like that. But again, I feel like that's like one of... Every generation probably has the types of voice actors they were casting when they were a kid. Um, and those voices got around, you know, uh, in, in cartoons. So, it's like, there is a certain style and sound of this, for me, that was extremely nostalgic. Um, but I was particularly thinking about you, Ronald. Like, okay, not having seen it before, yeah. what would it be like to sit down and... Because it does have like it's like it's got interesting character dynamics but the motivations do change sometimes between scenes or a character that's voicing one opinion is not voicing that opinion in a later scene and it it starts to feel like at times it feels like really elegant in a kind of almost meta fairy tale way um and then other times it does seem like clumsy in the way that you're describing um in terms of the storytelling yeah I, I I mean I remember I think I think I don't remember if I saw the movie first or had the book read to me I I don't, I don't remember but it's I, a great I remember book. them yeah they're they're very close to one another and I think didn't the author adapt the movie yes yeah okay so yeah it's pretty much in line but yeah I, I think it's the same thing like John was saying I feel like you know the when you come to this thing is really gonna be a factor in how you react to it because I mean yeah I, I I remembered when John mentioned it like really liking it. And having not seen it for a long time, but remember really liking the book a lot. Um, but yeah, the rewatch just kind of, I felt exactly the same, you know, like it just has that nostalgia to it that I guess it's just like ingrained in me to like kind of look past those things that would probably turn off someone watching it for the first time now <clears throat> as an adult. But yeah, I think the voice cast is really great. Um, you know, I don't know that the songs really kind of, you know, like same thing. They don't really play to me very well. I, I do like America, and I think his voice kind of works in some of them. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. But, uh, yeah, I think the animation looks great. I mean, if, you know, th- that Rankin-Bass look and <clears throat> um, I, I'm I, like watching it. I was like, I, I kind of want to watch this with Sydney, and I'm kind of curious. I haven't yet, but I want to see. I'd be curious to see how she reacts to it because some, some of it is a she's pretty cool with like kind of scary stuff. But some of it's a little. I think that some kids would probably be a little uh, scared of some parts of it, like yeah. the Red Bull, like some of the Red Bull stuff and things like that. 
You know, I think um, it's it, it, some of that. Those elements, Steve, as a fan of uh, Watership Down, um, yeah, I, I feel like this movie was trying to not so much ape, but th- there are some shots and even parts with the score that made me think of that movie. As far as like, oh, this movie's sure. trying to push that thing that's already in a lot of Disney movies. Of, the, yeah. of you can have pretty scary imagery, or you can have a pretty dark turn, you know, happen in one of those movies. I feel like this movie was definitely. I mean, I haven't been able to find a lot of information of like interviews with the people that were making this, talking mm-hmm. about the process. But I, I would believe that they really were at that moment thinking, oh, there have been a few movies like Watership Down that can play with that kind of darker imagery and almost be a little reckless with the idea that yeah. kids might want to watch this, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it's not as strong, and it would always be followed up by kind of a fantasy element. I had the same thought. I feel like I right. missed the window with Henry when he would have been spellbound by this, but I right. think when he was younger with his attention span, he probably would have dug it. So I don't know if yeah. it is in that vein of like a kid. Because some kids can sit down and watch a movie, and other kids, just if, if it's the least bit boring they they start moving around they can't pay attention but henry could always actually watch a movie so he probably yeah, liked yeah. it but i think she's now definitely he find in, it slow she's definitely into watching movies like to a to a surprising degree i mean like so i think that there's enough there to kind of keep her attention i don't think it would scare her but i thought i thought that like some you know definitely some kids at a certain age like some of that stuff would probably cr- maybe yeah maybe cross a little bit but maybe not i don't know but in general yeah the rewatch was really uh, a nice event for me like I, I hadn't seen it in decades uh multiples of them uh but it was it was cool and i mean and i think like what like 10 years ago they had like the the well I, I, there may have been more since then but i remember the like the 25th or 30th anniversary they were they re-released like a remastered version of it um oh, wow. that that that's what i watched this for this one but um so yeah, I mean, you know, time, time, they, they they were able to kind of touch it up a bit, but it, I think it looks great. I mean, I definitely would recommend it. Um, yeah, so that's that. <clears throat> but, uh, the, the the dynamics uh, of it are interesting. Like the sort of, it's almost got a sort of feminist kind of quality to it that it has yeah. because, I mean, I feel like it holds up in a strange way as a fairy tale, but it does seem like... Um, the idea of Schmendrick and then uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Jeff Bridges' character, Lear. Um, that like it's got an interesting way of making it so that her destiny is not just hooking up with uh, a handsome prince. Yeah. But they do kind of confuse that issue with the whole idea of like I mean that stuff about the uh, the virgin b- being turned into the unicorn yeah, or being turned yeah, into the woman yeah. and she's <clears throat> naked except with her i mean i remember being a kid and going to see that movie with my mom and having like a hee kind of moment where you kind of see her butt when she's turned into a woman but i kind of feel like that's another th- way that the movie pushes a kind of pg level it just does it just throws in that kind of casual when she turns into a woman before she gets clothes on she's just kind of nude like in yeah, the world yeah, yeah. and if they hide it it, it kind of mermaid style <clears throat> with her hair but i just remember thinking that was another thing that made it feel like this is a little bit more of a pg movie a movie that's being made you know not not for not for the little kids in the audience um but i also think that i was wondering about like those dynamics and i guess i'm thinking about you playing it for your daughter you know that's another thing you must think about with old movies is like wait is this weirdly retrograde Um, right i think this movie kind of passes the smell test but maybe just barely (laughs) (laughs) let's see here 
when you have a positive role model like uh, uh, Mama Fortuna, you know, someone like that in a story, you yeah. really need. Right, you're, you're bound for, yeah. <laughs> also, the harpy's got very graphic, like, <clears throat> breasts. Yeah, I was going to say, don't forget the harpy, yeah. 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 That's another that's thing fun. that I just remember. But the other thing is, I can remember going to see this movie with my mom. You know, like, that's that kind of childhood memory of, like, which parent was likely to take you to movies. Yeah. And I feel like as much as my dad and I would bond over certain movies we liked, my mom was much more likely to bundle me off in the afternoon and take me to a movie kind of so I would shut up because I would see commercials <laughs> for a movie and I would see like people, Gene Shalit talking about it on the Today Show or whatever. And I would know it was out and I would look in the paper and I would know like, we can go see this mom. Like, you know, yeah. I can satisfy my curiosity. Um, and I think she would maybe be all too happy if it was a movie that was actually, you know, within my pay grade, uh, an animated movie she probably was fine with. But, uh, you know, I can only imagine the things she had to sit through uh, with me that I've completely forgotten. But, yeah. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, thanks, Mom. <clears throat> 1982, heck of a year. So, Ronald, you won't be doing any, like, uh, any, like, collabs with America using the songs from this movie for your next, no, your next musical no. project? <laughs> but I would like to listen to more of America's music. But, yeah, that, this, this movie, like, on all, it, you know, I, like, hit on all cylinders. It, it did the opposite on all cylinders for me. I, what would it I be like it to, to, to not hit on all cylinders would be like um it uh to blow a gasket it, it blew on all pyramids or uh, you know, it tickled all the pyramids <clears throat> yeah i was on is, isn't, isn't that a isn't that a car i <laughs> guess it is but i was just going with shapes i was going with pyramids yeah. i was thinking visually steve <laughs> You're like, let's line up some cylinders and hit them all at the same yes, time. Yes, that's yeah. what I was. That's a, I'm. I'm going in, into. Maybe it's good that we could be doomed to end this, this podcast. You know, because yeah. um, spiraling out here. Yeah, I'm spiraling out. Um. All right, guys, let's move on. Uh, are we going to pick another required viewing right now, or should we wait to hear from the wizards? Because is it even worth it, or what? Let me check to see if I've gotten a text back <laughs> from the wizards. Um. You know, I'll look in my message app. No, nothing yet. So okay. let's just act like, we'll again, let's assume this is just normal episode. So um, I think that is, uh, that makes it Ronald's <laughs> turn, right? To pick the next required yeah. viewing. Um, the original Toy Story. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. The Brave Little Toaster. Woo! I kind of knew you were going to pull a little tr a trickaroo. The, the original like, Toy Story. No, 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 no. No, no, no. <laughs> The original Toy Story, the, the 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 blueprint, if you will, inanimate objects talking and going on adventures is what I feel like. This whole, I feel like the people at Pixar was like, were like, man, I love that movie. Why don't we give this a little more, you know, softness to it and put in, you know, create something. Yeah, Brave Little Toaster. That's going to be my pick. And I, before we leave the subject of. Um of uh, The Last Unicorn, we should at least mention, I don't think we ever said Peter Beagle, the name of the, the author of the book, who has written other things that are really good as well. So if that's, the, if that's kind of the, the, the takeaway from this might be just look into Peter Beagle, uh, yeah, a, a, very, sure. a very good writer who wrote other stuff in this mode, in this kind of fantasy with a little bit of a nod towards, you know, modern ideas. Cool. So. Cool. Yeah. Um. But so what are we going to talk about next? Maybe maybe we should talk about um, something that came out a little sooner than uh, the two episodes that we're going to talk about after this. Uh, Game of Thrones, <laughs> House of the Dragon. 
Let's talk about dun, it. Man. Dun, dun, house dun, dun, of the Dragon. How many dragons are in the house? Dragon. That's the question. You oh, know, this, man. Move, this this like it, it comes it comes hits the airwaves and we're we're wondering right away like how many dragons are really going to be in this house. And I've got to say that I'm not clear which house is being referred to in the titles, but I don't remember which house I've seen or been in. I've been in like palaces and I haven't seen yeah. any dragons inside. So yeah, I don't think never. I think the title is a bait and switch. Yeah, How about man. cylinders? Did you see them inside? <laughs> the cylinders? They're one of my favorite new wave bands. <laughs> yeah, no, no. House so cylinder? You saw yeah. house? <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah, so I mean, like, of... th there's a lot of baggage attached to a Game of Thrones uh, uh, follow-up slash prequel <laughs> slash whatever because people sort of... We've talked about how yeah. the, nothing like left the cultural conversation faster uh, than, than the way Game of Thrones did just because people were, you know... There was a lot of mixed feelings about the finale and about the whole last season or two of the show that people sort of started to feel like it kind of bungled something special. But people just yeah. didn't want to talk about it forever. But I, what was weird was seeing so much excitement bubbling for this this prequel, which honestly I didn't feel until I started watching it again. Watching it when it, when I started watching it, I got right back into the this world. Yeah. <clears throat> but I was not that excited about the look and feel I'd seen from the trailers. And I wasn't that interested in going back into this this phase. Like, I didn't know if the Targaryen family, which is the t titular house of the dragon, all jokes aside, that's the family we're following. I wasn't sure I was mm -hmm. that interested in them. But I don't know. I was sort of, I was hooked right into the, the sort of style of storytelling that George R. R. Martin, you know, puts into this fantasy realm. Um, what did you think, Ronald? Well, you know, watching it well, the the first like just sitting down to watch this new show well i mean i have i have a lot of complex feelings about game of thrones i think one of the things that's really interesting about it is that's a dense book you know the books are very dense and what they've managed to do is make this a palatable sort of thing so i, I i'm gonna be completely honest with you as dense as that text is game of thrones has become like entry-level like fantasy for people you know it's it's especially the way that hbo does it hbo takes this very complex text and makes it very palatable to the to, to the average watcher so like that's really cool versus i mean i don't i hate to do comparative stuff because it really is like both exist in very cool spaces but lord of the rings to me was a lot harder to take in just as a casual watcher who isn't like um, heavy duty in the fantasy and stuff like that. Game of Thrones was like the more palatable thing when I couldn't finish all the Lord of the Rings. But somebody was like, "It's it's like that, but it's a little simpler in the in its presentation." Um, so I I, I, I tended to kind of come towards it because of that. It's it's like entry level fantasy. I mean, like I'm, I'm being honest. It's just there's sex and war and all that stuff, but very. I mean, there's some magic a little bit, but it's it's not. This is gonna sound weird. It's not nerdy magic, and there's nothing wrong with nerdy magic. I just think that, like again, this is the HBOification of things where they kind of make it sexy and sleazy and, and interesting with people with robes and stuff like that on. So you know, I, I think I it's really... yeah, it's the sex and the violence that they that they pump up. That's like yeah, it goes yeah. beyond fantasy violence, and then almost to a, almost to a, a hilarious degree, HBO yeah. will stick in like you got to throw in a scene in a brothel, you got to throw in you know something something like that happening, and and. <laughs> yeah. 
I think the first show was probably more un, unaware of, like, they were doing more of the HBO thing, and this new show, yeah. I think, is doing a, a much more self-aware version of a very similar thing. But yes, gore, sure. gore and sex, which you would yeah. argue is, like, the, the things that are missing from from Tolkien in a way. I mean, there's violence in that, but there's not yeah. this kind of like gore and, and sex. So I could see yeah. what you're saying. I, I don't know if entry level is the right word though. I almost think it's like, this is like grown up. It's like whether, pe whether people are tricking themselves into thinking they're watching something more grown up or not, that's the feel it has to people is that it's grounded, it's grown up, it's got guts to it, you know, that people yeah. might not always see in the more high fantasy that's told more straight. So I, 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 mean, I, like, I do think the distinction is there though. You're, you're, you're dead on. Like, like the tutor, like I could give somebody like the tutors or there's just it's just harder to i don't know anybody that's like you know what i love the tutors <laughs> you get what i'm saying like yeah. it's not it's just it's just not that like i could give you denser like uh stuff for that time and it's just like <laughs> game of thrones is not that like it's just presented in a different way i don't it's it's something about the the you're right the sex and the violence it's it's really pushed forward in a way and it really the magic in it is done in a way that's like here's a little bit of it not a ton of it it exists in this world but it ain't heavy duty and it's not anything that you can't take in it's like oh okay sure there might have been some magic motherfuckers around some dead people getting up and and there's something about that that makes game of thrones a phenomenal sort of thing like it, it's the reason why people are able to take it in the way that they are is because it is i mean it is an entry level but i'm just saying like it in no, i know what you're saying i, I think yeah, it's an yeah. interesting notion that it's entry level though because it is it's man. like more mainstream because it's got this it's more grounded in that way. I mean, I remember like when you first yeah. watched Game of Thrones, what a relief it was when a character like Tyrion showed up on screen, um, yeah. or even like the Lannister twins or whatever. Just this notion that these characters are adding a little spark, something kind of dark, <coughs> something kind of funny, something kind of wry into what could be seen as a really dry world. Especially as you said, Ronald, if you're not versed in it and if you're not sitting down with a lot no. of appreciation for the lore. The other thing is, uh, I just want to throw this out because it's an interesting comparison. Uh, George R. R. Martin, there's a famous quote he had of like, when he was writing Game of Thrones, he said his whole idea was like, and you hear in, in Lord of the Rings, which he loved, okay, Aragorn becomes the king, spoiler folks, uh, Aragorn becomes the king and then he's this great king. And George R. R. Martin said he would always read stuff like that and think like, well, but what are his tax policies? How does he, how is he a great king? Like, what, you yeah, know, yeah. how is it well, happily yeah. ever after at any point? And I think that if you take that kind of approach, like the, the density of the books that you're referring to, they did yeah. do a pretty remarkable job of adapting that for the first three or four seasons of the show. And then they started to diverge and they had different amounts of stuff to do. And I think that what this new show represents is if you liked that density based on the lore and the yeah. involvement of George R. R. Martin and his ideas, this new show, House of the Dragon, is a much more booky like it comes more directly from that world and that philosophy and that aesthetic. Yeah. And I think certain ways that really makes it pop because some of the dialogue and some of the characters are really interesting. And I also think if there is any setback to it, it's that you have a, a six month gap between these two episodes and a three year gap between these episodes. And it's possible in there, as, as cleverly done as it is, it's possible in there to lose some of that ground level 
uh, entry level, whatever you want to call it, storytelling that made Game of Thrones so compelling, which is that you would be sitting with grounded characters in the aftermath of a weird decision or in the aftermath of something weird that happened. I think this new show feels different in that way, like it's moving through time faster. Um, but I think the, the the narrower focus on one family, uh, it's almost like you have to kind of pick and choose. Do you want that sweep that the original Game of Thrones gave you of cutting from lots of different groups of people around this this land to to House of the Dragon, which kind of centers on one family. I think there's, you know, those are the differences, but otherwise it really feels like they're taking the string. It's like Better Call Saul uh, coming out of Breaking Bad. You're, you're seeing like they've, they've taken the strengths of what they had before and they're starting a new thing with all that quality and all that, you know, all that, all those chops they built up on the first show. Mm-hmm. So I think in a lot of ways it, you know, it had better be a, a good show and it's, it's a pretty good show. <laughs> the first Steve, three episodes what- anyway. What do you think, Steve? I, I mean, I've loved it so far. I mean, I think this is one of the mentioned earlier. <clears throat> you know, this is something that like is it feels like that appointment viewing, you know, because it's yeah. like weekly drops. It's like Aaron and I Sunday night. We're watching it, you know, when it hits, which is kind of a it drives her nuts because she's so like all about the streaming binging model. And, you know, and I, I can relate for sure. But there's something like really exciting to be like you're digesting these things over the week. You're thinking about what you saw. You know, you're anticipating. And I think that really lends itself to a show like this or even something that is from the same DNA as Game of Thrones, where you do have so many characters, you know, and it only expands from episode to episode. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, they really tested and succeeded so much on with Game of Thrones was like an audience, a massive, massive audience can watch a show and, you know, balance the 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 story of eight different threads you know like they they can watch eight different plot lines going on over the course of a season of game of thrones and stick with it and yeah, one be patient them, with it yeah and like stick with the characters that you eventually kind of latch onto and want to see like you know mentioning Tyrion, somebody like that comes along you definitely like so far in this season you know I'm, I'm looking for that character still i don't know that i've seen that character quite yet i mean there's definitely some performances that are popping off the screen and, you know, some whether they're good or bad on the surface, like, you know, some people that you're really kind of like latching on to what's going to happen with them. <clears throat> but kind of just touching on what you guys have mentioned, you know, the idea of it kind of being a simpler version of, you know, this fantasy uh, storytelling. You know, I think it's like a chicken and an egg kind of thing in terms of like mass audiences, because, you know, I think shows like The Tudors or like other kinds of shows that are maybe more dense or like more, I, I don't even know the right adjective that you'd probably use, Ronald, but like things that aren't so much like beginner level type things. Yeah. I, I, I think Game of Thrones, I, I, I too don't really think Game of Thrones is like a beginner level type thing. I think the Game of Thrones series, you know, built to being a much more dense thing by the time it got to like three, four seasons in. And that was really the point where, you know, everybody was really along for that ride. So I think, you know, I think this series is doing something interesting by saying, okay, well, like what's some of the biggest, and you know, let's not even forget to mention that HBO is trying to do anything and everything they can with a Game of Thrones IP. So, you know, they shot this massive thing, you know, uh, the original spinoff with like uh, who was in a Naomi Watts and like spent 30 million dollars on pilot yeah. and scrapped it because it wasn't up to snuff. And, you know, this is the first one they're out of the gates with. So it's interesting that, you know, there's a lot that I, I've read that there's up to seven other ones in development right now. Um, and, you know, for this to be the first one out of the gate and for them to identify, you know, 
And they're very smart about it because even in that first episode, that title card that mentions this is 172 years before Danny, and it just fades out on those two pieces of information. Yeah. So, you know, however many seasons this show runs, you know, you, you have this idea that, like you mentioned, John, the time jumping is something different about this show. And knowing that halfway through this season, we're going to see different actresses portraying some of our leads that we've been with through three episodes. You know, so I think that's interesting and new and different that we could kind of jump through time. And that makes it a little different than Game of Thrones, where it'll test whether, you know, you're liking the actor performance or if you're liking the character you know, in some of these roles, which I think will be interesting and it'll be a little different because like right now, you know, the the actress who's playing Renera, like I think she's great. But to know that, you know, you'll only have her for four or five, six, I don't know what the yeah. actual number is. And then somebody else is rolling in there and playing that character. That's that's different. That's, that's 28 that, that, years supposedly are going to be covered in the season. Right. And we've, and we've already been through like four years four, yeah. into the story. So, right. Yeah. So that pacing is really interesting. And I, I think that might be fun to be given that expectation that this series is about the 172 years between now and everything we knew about House Targaryen. Yeah. And, you know, that's what the book is. You know, that's what the source material is. And, you know, George R. R. Martin is, you know, very involved. And, in, you know, that that material is there. It's not something that is, <clears throat> um, you know, ongoing like john mentioned where like eventually they divert you know they kind of went on their own path because you know the the showrunners of game of thrones benioff and weiss kind of went on their own and you know kind of were making their own story points up because there was they were at a point where they were past what he had written um so i mean i think it's just a unique thing and i think it's cool to see um people latching onto it um i love that viral video that was going around the first week it premiered of like that uh apartment complex in new york did you guys see that? Where like yeah, well, all of them in unison. Video, yeah, like you could see yeah. all the windows were like yeah. time to like the the title cards and like the yeah. lights. And you're like, okay, everybody's watching House of the Dragon, and that's kind of like that zeitgeisty thing that we always talk about. Is like, you know, they can promote as many shows as being massive hits, but when you see something like tangible like that, yeah, you yeah. know, people are sitting down at nine or ten o'clock or whatever it is in that window to watch a show like this and you know i think episode over episode it's gotten better in my opinion uh through the first three and well the characters I, have I, definitely I, gotten deeper i mean as far as like watching characters pop it's it's yeah. getting getting oriented and knowing who's who and what their angle is and sometimes characters i guess dis disappear between episodes with this timeline thing that's going on but i um I gotta say, uh, as far as like the the performance and character that's just popping for me the most, that I mean, especially in this last episode, it just became incredible. Patty Considine as uh, Viserys is incredible. Like yeah. this character, I mean, he's an actor that I love, and I've always enjoyed to see him pop up. And when I heard he was playing in this, oh, he's playing this kind of this king who sort of makes a lot of bad decisions and, and has a hard time keeping the kingdom peaceful. And I was like, oh, I wonder how <laughs> right. long a character like that's going to last in this world. But to me, he kind of feels like that next twisted extension of like what Ned Stark represented to... Because in that first season, Ned Stark represented the guy who's supposed to be the good guy, but you saw how his belief in goodness and doing the right thing, how it tripped him up in a world where people are backstabbing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I feel, I feel like Viserys is like, or Viserys, however you're supposed to say it, uh, he's that next level of character or just a slight, but where he starts off and you can already tell that he doesn't really have the confidence of the people around him and everybody's trying to manipulate him. And he's, he's like a little out of his league as a king, but his problem is trying not to hurt 
people like there's interesting ways in which he's not cut out for the job but that also he has tr the traits of a leader you would want you know there's a yeah there is a like and i like the way it <clears throat> seems thus far i like the way he has stood by his his uh decree that his heir should be his daughter like i i i know that he's been wishy-washy about certain ways he's gone about things and there've been like two or three scenes that are all about the sort of empty displays of power that he can feel like He's not really, he doesn't really have people behind him. You know, he has just people who, who have to be behind him because he's the king. Um, and he's kind of like ruling over this period where there's not a lot of threats to his family or his kingdom. So he gets yeah. to kind of sit on the throne and throw parties and, and be a likable guy. But that doesn't seem like a lot of people really respect him. And I just yeah. find that to be interesting because it's like, that's that next layer of that Ned Stark character in this world of like, here's a guy who is just not going to be able to do what needs to be done because he's not as ruthless maybe as he should be or as decisive as he should be. But I, right. I, I find it very interesting to watch someone kind of try to do the right thing um, and also be open to advice. I mean, there's different people who give him advice that I think he takes in a good way, but it also shows that pretty much everybody... Who, I don't know, he's manipulable. Um, but I think Patty Considine is playing him. And in that latest episode, he kind of reaches a breaking point where he's just gotten drunk and he's tired of people trying to control him or whisper in his ear what he should be doing. And he has a couple of great moments of like, when, uh, what is uh, Riss Evans' character's name? The guy who basically suggests at one point that he yeah. he, uh, oh, no. he marry his his uh, teenage daughter to his two-year-old son. <laughs> like, And, and King Viserys, like, laughs at, doesn't know if he's joking. I mean, you know, he's just, Patty Constantine has been playing these these kind of tortured, <coughs> quiet moments, but in this episode, he really gets to kind of go off in a way. Um, yeah, I don't think he's long for this world. In terms of this timeline that's moving fast, I feel like some shady stuff is probably going to happen to him uh, pretty soon, but I, I do think the backbone he has about standing by his choice of his daughter as heir, even if that's not what she wants, and this is Game of Thrones, so it's like, of course, that's, if, that's complicated too, and there's the whole thing with the the mother and the awful C-section in the first episode. I mean, this, you know, they've really piled bad decisions on this guy. Um, <laughs> and I just think, yeah, Patty Considine is one of those actors that I've always loved to watch. And so seeing him get to do something this meaty in, in a show that might end up feeling like a 10-episode a, a miniseries about this family. I don't know how much the storylines are bridging over into a season two, but they've definitely been picked up for a season two. So. Right. Um, you know, I, I wonder how that's going to go with the, the, the fast timeline as far as people getting attached to actors and characters like you were saying. But I think with these adult characters, we're sort of in the clear. If, if you know, Patty Considine, Reese Evans, um, I don't know who else uh, in that vein, but like those people are probably sticking around. The guy who plays Corliss. Uh, is a pretty uh, pretty interesting yeah. actor. He's 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 fun. I think I do think Matt Smith is doing some interesting work in the most recent episode. He kind of came into being for me as a character too. So. Yeah. What do you think, think, Ronald? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. I was just, just real quick about the timing, real quick, the time jumps. Up. I think that's a cool thing about the show, though, too, is that what Game of Thrones knew worked was the idea that we could handle a lot of different characters. So not only seeing different versions of the same character as they age up and, and talking, you know, aging up into like old age, you know, like, right. you know. <laughs> wishing i didn't know what happened to renera from what we learned in game of thrones the series like yeah. i wish you know like the idea that that character could grow to an old lady in this show because we know there's 172 years and this show could just bridge that gap entirely yeah and season over season you could have 
lots of new faces come in, like stars come on. Like there's already rumors about people that are in talks to star in season two of big name actors that want to play in this playground. And I mean, I think that's a really cool take too, is the fact that it's going to cover a large, you know, um, canvas of time that could be a different way to experience a Game of Thrones show too. Well, but, you're right, Steve, that like maybe one of those people would come in and do five episodes of an arc right. that moves fast, exactly. you know, as opposed to five seasons uh, to get to where your character's going. And we should also mention, um, though, just a lot of these episodes, like storylines might be taken from one or two lines. The way the Fire and Blood books are written is as though they're a history from the time. So there's different sources within the books. George R. R. Martin constructed it like you're reading a history book that's looking back on this time of history in Westeros. So there will be different accounts. It's almost like biblical accounts where it's like right. there's different versions of the same story. Um, there's And so there's room for the show to fill in details and to say like, well, here's what the real story is and here's why people believe this other thing. But some of those things, like the whole thing with the crab feeder guy, he's only in a few sentences in the book. So they were really able to take that and turn it into something for the show. And he got to be a, a good, creepy bad guy to have around for three episodes. But right. in the book, I mean, there may be, there may be, you know, just a few facts learned about him. So um, I don't know. That's an interesting way that this show can be creative and fill in the books with George R. R. Martin kind of sitting there saying, yes, this is appropriate to, to, to what I had in mind. But Ronald, what I was going to ask you is what characters are popping for you on this show or moments have popped for you? on the new uh the new game of thrones uh patty's character um damon the the character damon um i just i just really like where it's going i mean it, it it's almost like they took all of the things that they learned from the first season of game of thrones and kind of streamlined it in a cool way beyond beyond the 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 just the eight the the time skipping and stuff like that yeah just the fact that we're focusing on way less people than before and at some point you're right like you were saying steve that this may blossom in the eight continuous storylines <clears throat> but there are not eight storylines right now and they they may be, they may not be which is really cool it's almost like they took they did they did the case that they're like okay we know how to write you know how to that's that's established. We know how to juggle these things. We don't have to. We may never, but the fact that, you know, it's in the arsenal of writing styles, the fact that we could have one episode that maybe branches out that many and maybe right. it'll come back again is a really cool idea. Um, I'm gonna say another hot take since I said it was entry level. It is it is the wire of fantasy shows. And and <laughs> In in just the way that like it it humanizes these characters. <laughs> it's all in the game. It's all in the game. It really has so many quotables that you know I I'll probably see on shirts at some point. I'll probably see you know it's just a cool ass show. Damon is going to be spitting out quotables on t shirts for the rest of his existence on the show. Um, and you know having these defining moments this kind of nuanced sort of message that came in the third episode where everybody kind of grows up and faces whatever version of adulthood that they really have to be involved in, whatever that looks like the new version of their lives looks like is pretty incredible. And the fact that it scales from, uh, you know, a 14, 15 year old girl all the way up to, you know, a, a, a King that, that yeah. has to kind of step into his, his own now and, figure out what he wants to do with his, you know, the rest of his dynasty and, and his <clears throat> legacy. But all of them are facing stages of legacy building. It's really incredible. Um, 
and and that's all I mean. Just like ease, eat digestible things are very easy, man. Like I know, I know sometimes like people feel like that's like an insult, but it's like it's like an Apple phone. It's like a Fisher Price to a to a regular person. You're like, this is a Fisher Price looking phone, but you realize it's intuitive and things <laughs> things have to be like that. You train somebody <clears throat> to learn how this this simple sort of format can be very complex once the stories get to intertwining and especially since we know some of the history of what happens to some of the people, you know, a name right. got mentioned this past episode that kind of <clears throat> sent chills down my spine. Aegon. I mean, you know, you know, this is the, 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 the kind of echoes of what we come to know about bastard kids and all this stuff. It's, it's really cool that we're seeing the beginnings of, generations before that well, the happened. lannisters showed up this week and, and, and they're like not there yet but they're man that they're trying but they're not there yeah. like you they don't have a tywin yet who's like no. going to be this spearhead that makes them this 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 seat of power but i thought yeah. that 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 guy was great playing the twin versions of was it jason and I can't remember yeah i was gonna say guy. can we just appreciate how george r, r. martin has like these very complex and elegant and beautiful names and then every once in a while there's a there's a kevin and a jason yeah right up. yeah but then when you look at the spelling of some no, of no, them, it's, it's always like different yeah. right no, 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 yeah you got like different. an extra consonant or a vowel in there just yeah. to fuck it up well emma it, is like a e m m a yeah. or whatever yeah, yeah. And, uh... emma and they're like who is who is causing all this trouble across the land damon yeah, <laughs> Damon. Damon, Damon with an E. Yeah. Well, Littlefinger was Peter Baelish, but it was P E T Y R on right, paper. Right. Um, and then Ned's name was um, what was it? It was uh, like his. It was oh, there was some way in which his name wasn't like Edward. It was Edard. Edward. Huh? Eddard. Eddard. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was Eddard. Yeah. Eddard Stark. Um, but no, I think that I think that all of it sounds like we're all sort of swept back into that Game oh, of Thrones yeah, feeling, sure. which was yeah, a I'm, fun. I'm all about it, man. It was like a I'm, fun I'm feeling so to have. And I mean, I honestly, I was not cynical. Like, I'm not going to like this. This is stupid. But I was, I was not excited to watch this. And I remember saying to Nikki right before I started it, like, I'm just not that interested. In, like, the Targaryens to me feel like they would be the part of the storyline that would be drained of the kind of fun. <laughs> lively characters that we were just talking about being the lifeblood of game of thrones right. and then i within an episode i saw how they were doing something a little different now granted i do think maybe it took to that most recent episode before i really felt like i was i was hanging with these characters and knowing what they're about but i think that i mean i think you can we're about to segue to the lord of the rings show i think that the opening episodes of that show too are trying to orient you in this giant story that they're telling and trying to catch you up to speed on where you're where you are with things and it's a lot to do you know it can feel a little dry when there's exposition yeah. when you don't know the characters yet i do think game of thrones has that added thing though of zeroing in on these kind of human foibles and these human moments um and right. i you know another thing i think is an interesting comparison is like the Lord of the Rings movies that took off and that people love so much focused on, at least from the start, one group of characters that gradually grew as they went on one mission for one story. Right, now, right. it started to splinter off in the later movies, but it, the first movie, it's like three hours of following characters through this world. Right. Um, Game of Thrones started off with jumping all over this world. 
you know? The yep. two new shows are the reverse of that. The Game of Thrones is like zeroed in on one family story that you're following scene to scene. And the Lord of the Rings show is giving you this sampling of the world where they really do yes. give you like five or six different groups that you're trying to follow. And I honestly think that's why it takes till late in the second episode before some of the groups really start to come together as far as like what's going on with them. But I found the storytelling very dense in those Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power episodes, as opposed to the sort of decompressed, almost like hangout style of storytelling I was getting on Game of Thrones. Um, mm -hmm. And I think both approaches uh, are benefited by the fact that they're throwing so much money into these shows that they look... <laughs> yeah. Um, and like Lord of the Rings in particular, it's like, it looks, it looks as <coughs> the movies in most scenes, you know, and in some ways sh shinier and, and more expensive even than what they're doing in the movies. Um, I don't know if the casting of the characters, the characters haven't quite started to pop for me on Lord of the Rings, but I think that that's because you have those elves acting all grand and everything. I mean, there's just a, yeah. it's a drier style of storytelling, but as far as yeah. the adventure and the look and feel of things, and I particularly like Bronwyn and uh, Arendil, I think are their names. On, Aaron Deer. Um, Aaron Deer on, uh, on, uh, on Rings of Power. Those characters have popped for me. There's, and I really like the look and feel of what, you know, just their world and the part of the story they're involved in. But mm. I think it's interesting. Yeah, you kind of said it, Steve. We've got these two, you could call them competing, but it's almost like everybody's just kind of in, in the bag, I, I knew so many people who were like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get back into that Game of Thrones feeling. And I know so many people, a lot of the same people that were like, right. oh my God, I can't believe we get new Lord of the Rings, you know? And it is pretty bold. And, and what they're doing with Lord of the Rings, it is pretty crazy to like pick up the little scraps and stories of similar to what they're doing with uh, Game of Thrones. These are like... George, uh, I mean, J.R.R. Tolkien would write like, you know, in the appendices, he would write like an abbreviated history of a group of people, and he would talk about a certain era, and a couple sentences would become something that fans have speculated about forever, and that's what this show is very carefully, very judiciously trying to turn into something that's worthy of that brand. They're not adapting J.R.R. Tolkien, but they're trying to kind of impersonate him. And if you've read any of the press, you've seen where they seem to take that job really seriously, you know, that... right. Uh, what they're doing is got to be as uh, um, up to snuff, you know, as, as you would say. So I don't know. I think that, you know, Ronald pivoting to rings of power, how, how does it compare to the game of Thrones or just in general? How did, how did you feel yeah. after watching two episodes? Um, so compare the two RRs. Yeah. Okay. So first <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to finish a thought on, on, uh, Lord of, uh, Lord of the Rings, House of the Dragon, then go to Lord of the Rings. I love it. <clears throat> House of the Dragon, this is the first time, I know this is getting into the, the weeds. Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision, this thing looks really nice. Like, House of the Dragon looks nice. Then you get to a property that gets uh, far more money thrown at it per episode in every movie, every, every frame of this show looks like a goddamn 4k blu-ray it is the most gorgeous show i've ever seen in my life hands down but i'm a little overwhelmed i don't know what the fuck is going on and i think i need to watch it a couple more times before i get you know it it takes me a while to get if, if it's multiple storylines in the first couple episodes yeah which this is i might have yeah i may have to watch it once over one more time and then one more time just to get oriented with everybody and kind of the nuance of it and not confuse characters they all look distinctly different but sometimes you're like i thought that this person said that so i'll go back and rewatch it 
Um, it does. You're like waiting of- for them all to be talking about the same thing or reacting to the same yes. thing, and that starts to happen a little bit as it goes on. But okay. yeah, I agree with you that like even as a big fan who's read uh, the all the proper uh, mm. Lord of the Rings books, I haven't read all the like extra books of tales that have come out, um, yeah. but I've read some of that stuff. I- I'm a huge fan of this, but you know, it's and it's same way with the Game of Thrones. Really, I I love that stuff. I love the detail of the books. I don't walk around with the family trees memorized in my head and all the different yeah. names. So it takes me a minute to realize, like, I mean, I think in Lord of the Rings, it's very clear the characters we've seen before, Galadriel and Elrond are lead characters on this show. And we know them from the movies as, um, uh, Kate Blanchett and, and, uh, Hugh, uh, what's his name? No, not Hugh Laurie. Um, Matrix guy. Uh, no, Smith. um, Hugo Weaving. Hugo, Hugo Weaving. Weaving. Yeah. <laughs> Hugo yeah. Weaving. Hugo Weaving. I don't know why I said it like But no, Hugo, Hugo. no, because I said Hugh, uh, uh, but it's Hugo. Hugo Weaving, yeah. who's, who's great. But, but And these characters are meant to remind you of them, but not quite. Mm. You know. And then there's another character that shows up that's like a mysterious character who is actually a part of one of my favorite storylines on the show. And I don't know if that character is going to turn out to be somebody that we've met before either, but there's a mm. few possibilities of, of tall bearded men uh, with superpowers from Lord of the Rings who it might be. I don't think it is, but I think it's that like that they clearly know that any little hint of somebody yeah. that we know is something that's going to be exciting to us. But they're leading the story with okay, Galadriel and and uh, Elrond are are big characters on this show, and we know they're immortals, you know, who we know in Lord of the Rings. So it doesn't right. it doesn't doesn't bump us to think they were around. But yeah, it's kind of like the Game of Thrones thing where there aren't really immortal characters in Game of Thrones, but like those little names, family names get mentioned, storylines get mentioned. There's a, like a little thread of that in Lord of the Rings, but it's on a much wider scale because they talk about centuries and thousands of years on this show. And I think we're thousands of years ahead of the events of Lord of the Rings in this story. And it's kind of hard <laughs> to fathom that. Um, so much so that hobbits don't exist yet. We have this other group of people called the Harfoots that are sort of like nomadic hobbits. Um, but I think I think that's a, I think it's good to include that level of you've got the high high elves you know with all their kind of very fancy way of talking and then you've got the kind of gritty people who are you know more like regular people and then you've got the dwarves who live in a under a mountain and you know make metal stuff I and mine all the time I think that it is like in the fantasy realm that sort of hobbit spot it's wise of them to include something that reminds us of hobbits in this show um, and I like uh, I like some of the Harfoot characters the little guy who says. The skies is strange. I, I, yeah. I, I, like, I like him a lot. I and then her like look up. I love yeah. that shot. Yeah. But I agree with you, Ronald, that like as far as it comparing <clears throat> to a thread, a story, I feel like at the end of two episodes, I was still getting that kind of place setting feeling, yeah. uh, but it was working on me. Like certain scenes and certain moments were really just kind of to your point about the look of the show. It really was it was it was make it was giving me that 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 Lord of the Rings feeling, not just the Peter Jackson films, but the the books, you know, which are yeah. so full of detail and like different cultures and history. Um, but it is a little drier, and so I think that like it it you know it might take another episode before you're really invested in like the personal quests of of the characters. But yeah, the the the, the mention that you made about the budgets is just like <clears throat> beyond what they paid to acquire the property. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that <clears throat> their planned five season run of this show is going to cost them over a billion dollars is just insane. Like the yeah. fact that it's reported that this season cost, what was it? I think 460 or 465 that I read. Yeah. So that's like $52 million an episode. 
And yeah. House of the Dragons is reportedly under 20 per episode. So, I mean, I think what, you know, like we mentioned or somebody's mentioned earlier, like the House of the Dragon, you know, the idea that like it feels more like a, a, of a tangible world that we can like kind of yes. we've seen before. And like yeah. we kind of it doesn't it doesn't get as much dressing as like, you know, what the Rings of Power is uh, attempting to do by providing that scope again of what, you know, Middle Earth looks like and everything outside of it. It's just the the that's the quick reminder like johns was saying like of these first two episodes of that they're they're still trying to really lay the groundwork of the map the 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 literal map that we're watching go around the episodes of like where we are what's happening where and just remind us of how large the scope of lord of the rings is in general um i I think it's doing a great job of it honestly like i'm i I love the lord of the rings movies i'm i've never read the book so i'm not the biggest i I don't have the greatest like uh excuse me like wealth of information about the the source material or I, i can't remember everything from the movies i just know i love those films um and you made the comment earlier john about like house of the dragon like not not like being super like jazzed to want you know to get into this again and watch it again i felt more like that about this mm-hmm. um you know i knew i was gonna watch it it was more of a like i'll get around to it and check it out you know um but you know once i did like it was pretty quick to remind me of like i i, I love all the characters and i love that like how this level of fantasy is definitely dialed up and you know you see how much is created using visual effects and you know which is the majority i mean and uh, in, in certain sequences like the majority of what you're looking at and you know ronald mentioned it in our text thread like it's visually like you know it is one of the if not it's one of the best looking shows i i feel like that's ever been produced for streaming um you know and and i'd be curious to see the consistency of that through the season for sure i had the because same thought. You know, like I want to see that, you know, they 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 continue to benefit from any kind of sets that they build over the season or the seasons and like, you know, kind of where they kind of pivot to from episode to episode um, and kind of having those visual effects always on the screen. Because it is nice sometimes to kind of break away, like you mentioned, the two characters, and you know, kind of go to that little town and have it, you know, a, a sequence that's on a set, you know, that's on a on location um, and just with some characters. It's, it's, it's nice to have that break sometimes. Um, but damn, when they get into some of those sequences with the visual effects, man, like you're just reminded, like the Lord of the Rings really did kind of like set the bar in a lot of ways. And like yeah. they're really kind of taking it and probably we'll see throughout this season or this series, like they're going to probably exceed it, mainly because Amazon has an unlimited supply of money <laughs> virtually. Yeah. And they they want this to be, you know, they're the thing that they, you know, the, one of the IP pieces that they have, you know, in the streaming wars um i'd be curious you know through the season you know what kind of audience sticks with it and especially because streaming we, it's not apples to apples we can't compare it to house of dragons um it does seem like house of dragons being watched more and i think it probably you know has the you know the recency of game of thrones benefiting from that um but you know i, I think this show is a little more it's funny when you made the comment about like the beginners like fantasy type thing like this this seems more this seems more dense to me. And like, I feel like some people would yeah. be turned off from this, This is, you know, yeah. and like Aaron, Aaron, to be honest, like wasn't interested in watching it after the first like 20 minutes with me it's, and game of Thrones. She's like, I'm all in, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying, man. Like there's a, there's a thing that people 
with with the what I what you have to understand about casual watchers, man. You know how people say like I'm quirky, I'm nerdy, and all that stuff. That that stuff gets in the weeds for people, man. Like if it's too much fantasy, it's too much. I didn't know I was that much fantasy. I didn't know that there would be elves. I didn't know that like people do not necessarily want that much in terms of sci-fi or whatever it is like it's a very strange right. line that you know it's a, it's 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 like it's an undertaking man and, and you realize that people are less and and you know i wasn't trying to insult the show i'm just saying that's what it is like it, it that's what makes it it's the perfect intersection of a teeny bit of magic a lot of sex a lot of violence and when you get into a lot of magic, a little bit of sex, you know, a little bit of attractive people, a little bit of, you know, <laughs> it's like things get fucking out of whack because people are not that nerdy. It's just a very weird thing that I've noticed. Well, you're, you're, like, just, you're just describing things that are probably a little more relatable to. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, 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 as, it's a, as, 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 because you're talking about like, yeah, it's aspirational. Yeah, yeah, it's aspirational. It's that's what it is. Like, but that's what it that like real nerdy stuff isn't aspirational. It's like sure, sure, fun and like gets you out of your world and you're indulging versus sure. something that's like I wish I was this person in this orgy with these people. You know, right. which is very <laughs> well, different. I mean, it gets, it's a different world, also indulgent. Yeah. But yeah, let's talk. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. but that's all I'm saying, man. Like, there's, there's just like. You're right, but but it's it's getting at an aspirational thing versus, yeah, you know, getting out of your world and imagining yourself walking in the fields and seeing a big troll at the end, and you know, it's just like that stuff is cool as shit to me, and I'm ready to get into it. But I'm noticing when you get people talking about it, there's limitations to what people want to see. That's all. Right. Right. I mean, we've run into that with all the comic book stuff and all the Star yeah, Wars man. stuff and everything where it's like you, you and, I, you know, it comes down to like, are you a fan of this type of thing? And therefore you're interested to see where this is going because right. it's more time with this type of storytelling. Or right. are you a person who's only kind of interested when it reaches out and grabs you or it's a particularly good one or it's unique or it's com different from the others in some crucial way that makes it feel like a, like, you know, its own thing rather than it's part of this other thing. And I also think people overestimate often how much they need to know to enjoy something. I would say that both of these shows seem to jump off with the assumption that you have a pretty good working idea of what the story, you know, like Game of Thrones, the importance of that story, it doesn't weigh heavily on the events of House of the Dragon, but the show certainly starts assuming that you have at least the basic facts of Game of Thrones in your head. And I think yeah. Lord of the Rings show is even more in that vein <clears throat> of yeah. like, why right. you might be interested in this or what this might be reminding <clears throat> you of is definitely trading on how much you really love that stuff. So yeah, and I do yeah, think it's true sure. that like the high fantasy, the more straight fantasy can have like a, a more of a barrier of entry to it. Um, yeah. than the, then the, you know, the show where like, yeah, people are fucking and, and drinking wine and I don't know, it's just a bit more, a bit more, uh, gritty in that way. Yeah. And that's always been kind of the brief of game of Thrones is that it's, you know, it's the grittier show. So yeah. literally a picture of a person having sex doggy style with somebody and then that person going down on another person in the background yeah you're saying like that in the is, background uh, and, in the and background totally unnecessary let's all agree like that's just, there just to remind you that it's hbo you know yes <laughs> it's just that kind of it's ideology and what it what it all what surrounds it it's nothing wrong with it 
Both mm-hmm. are incredible. I'm just saying, like, people don't want people. It's just like a an interesting culture that we're in where people brand themselves something. And then you're like, are you sure you you're this much of a fan or this much of a you like this show? You don't necessarily like the genre or anything within it. This is a cool intersection of things, yeah. and it works for you. Well, That's I mean, Game of Thrones, another way to look at that is that Game of Thrones will always have butts and boobs in it. Um, Lord of the Rings will never have butts and boobs in it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And they might do everything up to and around yeah. that, but it's like those are the rules. You, know? you might see a little side boob where somebody has a yeah. nice dress on, but the that's, extent that's of it, man. That's <laughs> the extent of it. Yeah. Well, so anyway, well, I just wanted you guys to know I got a text back from uh, the 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 you know I called him a podcast wizard, but these are just mm. only wizards I could find online. Mm, um, mm, mm. So, uh, uh, hey John, I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. All wizards love y'all's <laughs> oh. show. That's that's pretty nice to know. Very isn't sweet. It? Very sweet. Very sweet. Um, as for your question about the podcast prophecy, I'm not sure that's even a real thing. You guys are fine. Wouldn't worry about it. Okay, cool. cool. Oh, so good. Yes. <laughs> They've really kind of dismissed our concern. And yeah, it basically <laughs> says it's something I made up, essentially. So um, I guess we can just do another one if we want to and then keep doing that if we want to. As you were. Yeah. As you were. Uh, that reminds me of this uh, Live at the Purple Carrot with uh, Zach Galifianakis. They had like this, like, uh interview thing and they have this distorted voice it's like he he violated man's law god's law murphy's law just think about that fuck it it fucks with me man i think about it a lot and it makes me think about have we violated any of these laws have we you know it's like it's sounding like really on the on the upshot wizards have time to listen to and enjoy podcasts like that. ours but Thank on the other them. hand it Good sounds like them. they're not really that worried about like prophecies or promises made on podcasts so they're just after the title and what it gets them yeah right which is apparently like free streaming of podcasts of, of all existence right well right. i mean it's like uh, you know uh, the ad i found for this particular wizard um it did it podcast was mentioned in with a lot of other stuff you know mm. so it's like it wasn't just a podcast wizard but okay. i figured anyway well it's good to know so we can just carry on check that yeah, off right. the list yeah, right <clears throat> problem solved thanks john for uh, yeah. reaching out what what I mean, uh i've been, what, I've been what worried about this for 175 episodes i mean I, it, it sounds like i didn't need got, to it's good that you got that you know detailed of a response it yeah. Was, yeah. <clears throat> time well spent wouldn't worry about it <clears throat> wouldn't worry about it <clears throat> i don't think that's a thing <laughs> all right cool well yeah uh, Rings of Power comes out Fridays, Amazon Prime, House of the Dragons, Sundays, HBO, HBO Max, uh, whatever version of HBO you're hanging out with these days. Um, and yeah, The Last Unicorn, a required viewing from this episode. And then Ronald's pick for the next episode is going to be The Brave Little Toaster, since we now know for sure that there will be a 351 or two or three. This is our first <laughs> Love It uh, in the required viewing uh you know, the, the history of required viewing oh. as a feature. Isn't that John Lovitz as the voice yep. of the, yep, the toaster? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> our first Lovitz. <laughs> There's always Certainly not our last. Yeah, yeah, right. Hopefully it's not our last at all. <clears throat> um, so, yeah, we'll be back shortly with that episode. Um, we may pop up in, in between our next full episode with a couple little smaller ones. we got some travel, some 
vacations coming up here, but um, we'll, we'll kind of get some stuff recorded to kind of be able to release in between uh, our next full episode where we do that required viewing and whatever is timely at that moment. But uh, we'll try to keep that posted on like the social media. You know, if you want to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, you subscribe to the YouTube channel. You'll get notifications once they drop. And then, you know, in terms of listening to the podcast, movieshmovie.com, you can go there to listen to all our episodes and all that are to come just to kind of put that tease out there. They'll all be there uh, since we now know we can do more than this episode. Um, you can, you know, jump onto the social media. They're all linked there as well. But if you want to subscribe on a podcast platform and listen to it on your phone, your favorite app, we should be in all of them. Just search for Movie Schmovie, subscribe and leave a review uh, or a rating if that's available on your podcast platform of choice. Um, until we come back in, you know, I don't know, a week or two, we'll, we'll see what, what pans out here. Again, we'll try to get some smaller episodes out for you guys um, in between now and then. But thank you for listening. And uh, as always, you made our day. Thanks. Bye.